0: Powered by Rev Media in partnership with TSN, this is Season 5, Episode 30 of the Rain Dregs Hockey Podcast, presented by our title sponsor, Canadian Club Whiskey, who have introduced the first release of the Canadian Club Invitation Series, CC 15-year-old Sherry Cask. Signature CC Classic 12-year-old whiskey finished with a secondary aging Oloroso Sherry Cask. And Ray rain I can attest, it is delicious. So find yourself a bottle and... Continue celebrating the holidays like we do well into 2024. And by the way, you're you're obviously on remote. You're coming to us from Boston. You've got the penguins and the Bruins tonight. On and my ESPN. wallpaper. And
1: my wallpaper.
0: Isn't yeah, we've nice. seen that wallpaper before. Yeah, yeah. So I same, yeah, same I mean, place, it's not yeah. the first time you've done it uh, from yeah. Boston. So looking forward to that. Um, you know, when we wrapped up uh episode 29 on Tuesday, we always kind of, okay, what's the rest of the week mm-hmm. look like? And I explained that. It's going to get quiet here, and it's unnervingly quiet. So Holly is away visiting family in BC. The kids are back in their own worlds, right, in Thunder Bay and in Guelph, and it's just me and Tiny. Um, Not a lot going on at TSN other than, of course, the the World Junior Championship, which I'm not a part of. So it's a bit weird. Well-structured. The house is immaculate. The laundry is all done. I got the recycling done perfectly the way I needed to, to get it out there first thing this morning. But I don't know. I, I, I've i got to do uh, another pod later today with uh, with Duffer and Marty Barana, Buffalo. But from 1 p.m. Eastern on, right? I don't know what I'm doing. I got zero. I got nothing going on. I guess I'll make some calls and see what
1: happens. Make some calls? I think it's, uh, for me, when I got nothing going on, that is... <laughs> like automatic nap is it okay oh, well if it, if i can't go and hit golf balls yeah what else uh, I gonna do? What, yeah a little nap a little you know afternoon coffee like little do a little reading i i, yeah. I kind of like that time but because i'm like a squirrel after about 11 minutes of that much quiet
0: I'm yeah. like, okay.
1: What am I going to do? I got to do something. Yeah. I get it. You know,
0: there's something I got to figure out. And look, I mean, you have Ollie, I have Tiny. There's only so much dog walking you can do. Yeah. yeah, and you Ollie's got
1: little exercises. legs. He doesn't need
0: much. He's
1: like, you know, yeah. No.
0: I've had enough, and he turns the turns the bus around. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll report back after the weekend. Let you know how I've. Uh, oh, you're going to dig something. You'll dig thousand. something. I'll find something. Yes. Well, all my buddies are back now. Phil Potter's back from from Sweden. Um, so I'm sure we'll connect at some point. Yeah. Lots going on around the National Hockey League, at, at least lots to talk about around the mm-hmm. NHL. So that's what we're going to do in the Tim Hortons headlines. Yes, brought to you by Tim Hortons, where their holiday merchandise is still available. How about that snowy Tim Bits night 500-piece puzzle? It's a beauty. Or the new limited edition Tim Hortons winter blend fine-grind coffee, candy cane hot chocolate mix. It's all there only at Tim's. All right, let's start with an old-fashioned rivalry, Ray, and that's the Minnesota Wild and the Winnipeg Jets. Right. And this is a legitimate NHL rivalry. They both can play the same heavy game, don't like one another. Wild forward Brian Hartman find the maximum allowed uh, for high sticking Cole Perfetti of the Winnipeg Jets off the draw on Sunday. Now, Perfetti was cut, left the game, needed a couple of stitches. There was no penalty called on the play. Tuesday Perfetti surfaces, he faces the medium, and he described how Hartman admitted it was retribution, Retribution stick to the face, for Brendan Dillon injuring Kaprasov with a couple of cross-checks the game before. Listen up. Just to follow on that, Cole, did he make it pretty clear that he was doing that as retribution uh, for what had happened the day before? Yeah, yeah, he did.
1: He made it pretty obvious. You know, he did it, in a, I mean, he said it in kind of a respectful way like I mean he said no uh, no disrespect no nothing against you just you know had to happen some some, something had to happen against you know what for, for what happened to Kaprazov there I mean he's obviously going to be out for a little bit and you know I don't think Dilly was trying to hurt him I think he was just playing heavy and that's just you know that play happens like you know he wasn't I don't think trying to be a you know a bad guy I think he was just you know that's what he thought he needed to do to get back at us.
0: All right. Well, there you go. Um, mm-hmm. Just an odd scenario in so many different ways. And then then what's also bizarre is the fact that it was captured on audio because Perfetti mm-hmm. was mic'd up for that game. And I think that that, you know, that created a bit of buzz, maybe some borderline outrage among Jets fans who are like, well, wait a minute. They have it on audio. He's admitted. Yes, but it's inadmissible. I mean, can't. It's been inadmissible for 20 some years where... 18, 19 years, going back to 2005. So what do you make of the play? What do you make of the fact that Hartman admitted he went after a young star? Again, retaliatory for what happened to Capra. Well, in a in a
1: perfect world, none of that would happen. And everybody would just move along and continue to play the game. And mm-hmm. the games would be hard and clean and no penalties and, but there are, and there are things that happen that are not, not acceptable anywhere else <laughs> yeah. in, on the planet. And it's the same in any sport, but we're talking specific to hockey. And, um, it's, uh, it happens. There's penalties to deal with it. Um, this in a long about way goes back to whether fighting belongs in the game or not and that's how we felt we police the game now i look at some of the old videos and it didn't look like there was much policing going on because no
0: it didn't <laughs> you know there's 30 guys
1: <laughs> fighting on the ice and it and you yeah. certainly don't want to go back to that i the the audio thing is interesting. Um, I've had a couple of officials ask me as I'm standing between the benches, hey, who's mic'd up tonight? Because they want to know. Yeah. They want to know yeah. in case something's getting heated. They can just say, hey, so-and-so's mic'd up tonight. And mm. you can say that that's a, a false warning or a warning that shouldn't happen. But I, I, I can't tell you how many times somebody told me they were going to kill me on the ice. Yeah. I didn't ever think that my life was in danger, like not once, but the point is they're trying to intimidate me and that's part yeah. of the game and whether we like it or not in a physical game, intimidation becomes mm-hmm. part of it. Courage is part of it. What you're willing to put up with is part of it. And for the Winnipeg, uh, Minnesota thing, I, I, I don't. I don't think I've ever been around prior to the incident or heard of where player a says to player B because of this that happened the other day, I'm going to do something after it happens. I've seen saying, well, that's what happens when you run Capra's off. Mm -hmm. Like I, I, I've, I mean that, that happens. Should like, what do people expect to happen? He got fined. Should he have been suspended for a game? I mean, that would have, no, but I mean like that probably would have been the extent of it. Would that have pleased somebody certainly doesn't make Perfetti's face feel any better. Like it's, (laughs) it's not a, it's not an attractive part of the game, but I I've had, I had a, a buddy that played in the CFL and he was telling me like when they're scrambling around for a fumble, what do you think is going on in that pile?
0: You're grabbing, you're pulling, yeah, it is, you're it is, tearing it is, at everything.
1: <laughs> you just want to be the last guy out of there with the ball and whatever. Yeah, yeah. He said, like, I had never thought of this, but he said, and I'm not trying to get off topic, but my point is that it happens in other places and we look at it, we might not like it, but that's just what happened. He's like, do you think that ball, the guy that comes out with it is the first guy that jumped on it? He goes in yeah. a lot of those piles, that thing's changed hands three times down there. And I'm like, uh, man, I would have never guessed. Like, I would wow. have never known because I've never played. What Hartman did, I, I don't like it because it's a stick to the guy's face. Mm-hmm. Like, like I, I don't like it. <clears throat> now I don't know what the proper retribution is, but I sure as hell know that Ryan Hartman's not going to go after Brendan Dillon. Right. Like that. That's not going to happen. Mm-hmm. So. They got one of our guys, we're getting one of your guys, that's it. That That's how, as upside down and backward as it might seem, it might seem that's how the game polices itself.
0: Yeah, and, and look, I mean, it was an obvious penalty that wasn't called, but <clears throat> that's what makes it dirty, but almost uniquely dirty, is how sleuth it was that he was able to bring the stick up like that with Perfetti bent over. And catch him right in the kisser. So, anyway, I mean, everybody moves on, and we all look forward to the next Minnesota Wild and Winnipeg Jets game because it's going to be a beauty. And look, I wonder if if, if someone like uh, Rick Bonus would get a call from Hockey Operations because he also acknowledged had they known in the game that Hartman said what he said, uh, it, 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 that game would have ended differently, right? And that's a clear well, message that we you are not taking out Cole Profetti in a premeditated fashion not I can can guarantee what's going
1: to happen is um the next game um when the media goes to speak to the coaches at five o'clock they're not going to be available because they're going to be in a meeting with (laughs) whoever the supervisor is it's going to be sitting at the game and he's going to be like you look at, you're responsible for your guys, you're responsible yeah. for your guys, and um I can also guarantee that there probably will not be two inexperienced officials at that game.
0: No. no. All right. Uh, we're going to stay in the realm of officiating here for a moment. Toronto <coughs> Good, Maple it's Leaf my Surfer. favorite. I love it. I That's know it I is. Know I know it is. Ah, eh, You know, we don't pile on officials on this podcast. No, but I do so have really an opinion don't. on this one. Yeah. So... The Leafs in Southern California, they're playing much better of late, by the way. A bit of a sidebar. Matthew scores his 30th. The overtime winner against the Ducks in Anaheim. However, another incident in that game is worth revisiting, and that's Toronto forward Bobby McMahon is given a five-minute major for boarding and a 10-minute misconduct for laying out Pavel Minchikov, right? Yeah. Uh, now, there's the subsequent, the obligatory fight. Labushkin comes in, and uh, they go at it. First of all, your thoughts on uh, the major. It didn't look like a major to me. He didn't catch him in the numbers. I mean, Minchikoff was finishing his pass or a play on the puck, right? So he opened up at the point where he got hit by McMahon. And yeah, he went violently into the boards. But how did you see it? Um, much the same way. But the biggest problem, mm-hmm. Drake's,
1: in that hit that is, I'm going to say, relatively common now, whether it's, um, maybe not at center ice, but a defenseman going back to clear the puck around the boards. It seems more frequent that they're hit in that fashion, right? Close to the boards. Yeah. yeah. Um, is it from behind? Is it not from behind? The biggest problem is there is no definition to that hit. It's like one of those plays that <clears throat> people will say, you know, it's a penalty when you see it. Yeah. Well, that's bullshit because you don't. Because sometimes it is, and sometimes it isn't, what really needs to happen at the at the safety level is there needs to be a definition for what is allowed on that hit. Does it mean that you can make the hit in the same fashion as McMahon did? Clearly not, because that was a major. Well, then tomorrow or tonight in the game I'm doing in Boston, if there's a hit like that, it's got to be a five minute major. Mm-hmm. The problem is sometimes it's not, mm-hmm. and sometimes it is, and sometimes it's two minutes, and nobody knows what the hell is going on. Yeah. I don't know how long ago it was, but Brian Burke used to talk about this bear hug thing. Yeah. And he used to a sell a goal, but he did. Yeah, he pushed for yeah. that. And you know what? He's right. He, he's a, a 100% right, because if Bobby McMahon could have bear hugged Minchikov, and take him into the boards, the boards yeah. towards the boards yeah if that was not a penalty if he was allowed to wrap him up and take him into the boards he would have done that yeah. because it would have been finishing his check which is what he was trying to do but the the end result is there is no injury mm-hmm. but somehow that just got kind of brushed away and it's not it's not when the player is moving it's when you're like, you know, like picture a defenseman going around the back of the net and a forward bear hugging them and now kind of riding them and they make the contact behind the net. That's a mm-hmm. penalty. That would be a penalty. In a play like this where you're looking at a direct contact onto the player shooting the puck or finishing his play and you bear hug, it's not a penalty. Because you're allowed to bring the player into the boards and you you're basically going to cushion that impact. But my biggest problem with the McMahon penalty is there is no definition game to game, play to play as to whether that's a two or a five, and then they review it and sometimes it's no penalty. Yeah, yeah. And so that, that's my biggest issue with it.
0: You a numbers guy, Ray? Right? Uh, yeah, I think so. Yeah. All right. Well, let's have some fun with some numbers because they're... Extension talks that are ongoing and there are extensions that are looming. Leaf Station. Like okay, is, then
1: I like those numbers when you know yeah. well, nobody ever extended me, but that would have been nice.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Leaf station is buzzing. Extension speculation around William Nealander is heating up. Now the whispers, the AAV could climb as high as eleven point five million dollars. So that's ninety two million on an eight year extension for William Nealander if it climbs to eleven and a half. If you look at $87.7 uh, million, which is next year's salary cap for 24, yep. 25 in the NHL, that would represent 13% of the Toronto Maple Leafs cap for next year, starting right. for next year. I, I, I would argue that he's an $11 million player. You're paying for his best years when you get him on an nope. eight year extension. Um. So you know, eleven, eleven, two, five, eleven, five. I don't know. I mean, are we are we splitting hairs here? Are you okay with Willie Nealander at eleven five or thirteen percent of your salary cap? Well,
1: man, I, I mean, it seems enormous numbers when you get into that. But yeah. if I'm William Nylander, I'm like, yeah, Calgary's playing Jonathan Huberto ten point five. Are yeah. you telling me that I can't make that? Yeah. So the comparables go into the hopper pretty quickly. And of course, the, the Leafs would grab a different set of comparables than the Nylander camp. Um, mm-hmm. that you have to remember that this in two things really, the increase that Nylander is going to get, whatever he's going to get to become a percentage of the cap is the cap is going to hopefully can, well, not hopefully in, in most, almost all scenarios increase over the next few years, because it was flat for so long. Mm -hmm. So that percentage is not getting higher. Of course, it's getting less. And that becomes a more palatable number. Yes. Remember when 6 million was the number and everybody went, oh my God, 6 million. (laughs) And then all of a sudden, Nate McKinnon was playing for mere peanuts, it seemed Mm -hmm. like. Well, it, it has a way of working itself into a... A more reasonable number, if if you will. Yeah. the The second part of this is that for the lander camp is if they're looking to go to just for simple math, let's say it's eleven million, because that's mm. a four million dollar increase. The Leafs have to find four million dollars. Some other team has to find twelve million because they can yep. only sign the them for seven year. years, and they've got to get close to the number. But they have to find the entirety of the money. The Leafs only have to find a portion of the money.
0: And And
1: so in these cases, unless the player wants to scoot, the retaining team has the advantage because they only need to find a portion of that
0: money. And he doesn't want to leave. He doesn't want to leave um, perfectly suited for a Canadian market because Willie doesn't respond to the noise, good, bad, or otherwise. He doesn't, he no. just, he just goes about his thing. But just to revisit, honestly,
1: I've said it before. Yeah. It's one of my most uh, admired qualities in him is that <laughs> he just doesn't care. And doesn't it just, care. it cracks me up that <laughs> for years, people tried to figure him out and figure out a little bit more. And he just doesn't care. And no. I just, I, I wish I could have been like that. And he just, he just doesn't,
0: you know, that he and David Pasternak are good buddies, right? I mean, this probably dates back to playing against one another, whether they played together in Sweden. I man, very similar, very similar. Their personalities are near identical. Well, I did. Well, I I did was doing a Boston leaf game. Um,
1: it was the game that, uh, got hurt. Mm Hmm. And I'm standing in the hallway. We're waiting to talk to one coach or the other. <clears throat> and pasta came in from his side and Willie happened to come in on the other side. And they, they were like so happy to see each other. They, they, they were at other ends of the hallway, but they kind of, you know, they were like, Hey, how you yeah. doing? We'll talk after. And, but you could just see like, there was like, oh, yeah. I don't know. There's just, pasta <laughs> comes in in one of his crazy suits and, Willie's got his style, and you're like, man, these guys are very, very
0: similar. They're like brothers. Um, Again, revisiting percentages. So, hey, if we want to be precise, and we do, um, if Nylander gets 11.5, that's actually 13.11% of next year's $87.7 million salary cap for the Toronto Maple Leafs. Austin Matthews is just over 15% (coughs) next season when his extension kicks in, Connor McDavid is 15% right now of the Oilers payroll. That'll go down next year with the cap rising because mm-hmm. he's got his extension in place. So let's play the what if game. And the oh, boss oh, Ryan you, Rishaw, you, has his, you, Oh, but you he's insiders got his pencil. It, sharp. He? <laughs> okay. Here's the what if game. What if Leon dry side, who's going into the final year of his contract next season, wants 15% of the salary cap in Edmonton or higher to stay with the Oilers. So let's assume, as you stated earlier, 87.7 next year. So it climbs, what, another 2, 3 million the year after? Let's round numbers, 90 million the year after, okay, when when Dreisaitl's extension or his contract kicks in. 15% of 90 is 13.5 schmillion. For Leon sale. are you giving him 15% of your salary cap? Yes. I think most would. I think most would. What if it's 20%? The oh, max. Boy. Okay, now you're getting is... into 18 million.
1: Okay, so this is this becomes the problem with that is yeah. whether you think they're worth it or not, a player of, of that stature, um, the balance in a salary cap world is that he might be passing it to me and you. Like you still have to put a team around your star player. The second and and that gets more I like and more his chances
0: passing it to you better than me. Let's be honest <laughs> right. here.
1: It might take me a while to get there, but you know. So the 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 issue becomes if you're going to be a good team, which you know everybody's trying to win. But everybody's trying to make as much money as they can, too. Like, in a lot of cases, those two things don't go hand in glove. Because you, how many times you say, oh, they're looking for depth, they're looking for a little more on their third or fourth line. Well, yeah, but if you're paying, you know, a, a big chunk of your money to three guys, you can't have a third line. Mm-hmm. That that becomes how it is. The, in In my opinion, the guys that are going to, the position that's going to take it in the teeth is goaltending. Um, and the reason I say so is that a goalie can't play 80 nights for you. Right. He probably can play 50. So that means if you're paying some guy big cash and he's playing and he's sitting in a ball hat for 30 games, is that a very equitable use of your, of your salary mm-hmm. cap money? that you know vegas won by paying a lower percentage of their cap to their goalies yeah and that means you can you know duh you can play a higher cap percentage to your skaters who are on Mm -hmm. the ice all the time like you get it's a really difficult balance with no great answer and the reason is because each of those stars while they are stars they're a little bit different can they pull the bus or are they supplemental stars? Mm. And like, I, I pay Connor McDavid whatever he wants. Right. Because I pay Kale McCarr whatever he wants.
0: Leon's gotta, edging into that conversation. Th- but
1: think. that's what I mean. When you get yeah. to the edge of the conversation, now you get into a really difficult decision. How many guys in the league? I mean, this is an impossible answer because we haven't really thought about it. But is there ten guys like that? There's not twenty. No, you know, yeah, and so
0: ten would be probably
1: okay. I'll give you. I'll give right you an thing. example. Um, how much more would you pay Leon Dreisaitl than Miko Rantanen? Hmm. You, you, that's that's my more. point. Yeah. yeah, yeah, but you're getting into that. Yeah, that that grouping of players where you're like. Man, Miko Rantanen is phenomenal player. Yeah, he is. And so, if you're paying Drysidal 15 million, does that mean you got to pay Rantanen 14 million? Because that's what yeah. he's. That's yeah. where he's going to look at. Yeah. So it's a.
0: And Leon would say, sure. <laughs> oh, <laughs> when Rantanen's is up, pay him.
1: Yeah, of course. And and that you can say that's a free market, but it's a free market in a cap market. They're two different things. And unless the league gets to a point eventually, and I hope it happens, I hope it happens on many levels, but I hope it happens while you're still working, because then you would have to (laughs) grind through this mess. I would like to see a franchise (laughs) player designated on every July first. That'd be one one salary per team that you can take into your designated player category takes that salary out of the cap. Mm -hmm. Now, not all the teams have to do it. But if you want to, you could take Connor McDavid's salary out of the Oilers' cap, and then they would have what's the cap now? Eighty-three million. They would have eighty-three million on the cap, plus McDavid. Yeah. But maybe the Oilers would decide we don't want to do that, oh. and that would be up to them. But I think it, I think that gets closest to a free market system.
0: Well, as Kenny Holland would say, Razor, that's a lot of balloons. There's a lot oh, of. Balloons it's a lot of, it. of
1: balloons. I'm telling you. <laughs> and you know what? All the other yeah. managers would say the same thing, except if it's their player, they'd go, yeah, it's a lot, and we'll figure it out because we need our guy signed.
0: Exactly. Uh, back to cup or bust for the Oilers based on how they're rallying of late?
1: I had no fear ever when they were... Oh, sure. <laughs> well, okay. okay, maybe I had a little fear. But I think if we go back through this nonsense, I, I think our position... Yeah. Well, our position, I, I know certainly. Mine was, this will somehow straighten itself out, because mm-hmm. McDavid won't play like a point a game player, yeah, for the rest of the year. Stu Skinner is not this bad. Like the goaltending will get better, and like again, it it, right. it it has to because it couldn't get worse. Yeah, and their power play will figure it out somehow. The problem was it cost people their jobs while they were figuring it out. This is a good team. It's a big team. You can say, oh, they're top heavy. Yeah, well, I'm doing the Bruins and the Penguins tonight. You know who else are top heavy? (laughs) The Bruins and the Penguins. Like any good team is pretty much a top heavy team. And if your top heavy guys play like average players, you're Mm -hmm. sunk. And so what happened for the Oilers? Their power play got better. McDavid got healthy. Um, uh, the goaltender became an NHL goalie again Eckholm got healthy that allowed him to impact Bouchard yeah. a little more, I yeah. think. And so all of a sudden you're like, man, this team's really good. Oh, and here's the other thing. I just thought of this. When you have guys that are going to score between 12 and 15 goals a year, that's a nice mm-hmm. number at the end of the year. That means there's going to be a period of time where they can't shoot it in the ocean. Ryan McLeod went through that in the first 30 games of the year. So did Warren Fogel. Oh, they're scoring now. Guess what? Yeah. They're still going to be 12 to 15 goal scorers, roughly. And this is their time of year when they're scoring, it seems like, every game. So they were all dry at the same time. And you have to accept that. Although it probably tastes like a bag of rocks when they were mm-hmm. going through it. I I still... They're at the very top of the Western Conference for me. Um, I, don't, I have no question they'll be a playoff team.
0: Um, of course, what you do once you get in is its the whole battle. Let's wrap up headlines with that Bruins and Penguins game tonight. Um, Boston sure. is is not a head-scratcher. That's, that's unfair because they continue to do good things. They're leading the Atlantic. They're leading the Eastern Conference. You talked about the power play of the Oiters. Well, special teams is a huge factor in the success of, mm-hmm. of any good team. But in this case, the Boston Bruins, you've got their power play as, what, fourth in the NHL at 28%. The penalty kill is second at 86. Fourth in the league in goals against at a relatively stingy 2.56 mm-hmm. per game. Does that basically you know, give you the ingredients or the recipe for the level of success that the Bruins have achieved at this
1: stage? Well, early in the year, they were 8-1. and. One and- Jim Montgomery, their coach, said, you know why we're 8-1? Because we got great goaltending. Mm. And and they do. It doesn't particularly matter who's in net. They, they've got great goaltending. I think, you know, in retrospect, and maybe even at the time, a lot of people felt the one mistake the Bruins made was they decided to go with one goalie in the playoffs because all season long their, their strength had been Swayman-Olmark, Swayman-Olmark, going back and forth. Um, Omar hadn't played three games in a in a row in, in a few months, and then yep. they went with him in the playoffs. And as it turned out, of course, it was a you know it, it blew up on them. Yeah, I, I still think they need a centerman. Um, I am really intrigued by uh, the way that Montgomery. He's got twelve forwards who never play in the same place. Zaka plays in the middle. He plays on the wing. Um, yeah. He plays with the first line. He plays on the second line on, on the wing. Uh Marchand is playing with Charlie Coyle. That doesn't seem like a line that would fit. Well, sometimes they don't fit. Mm. And so they put Patra up there uh before he left to the world junior. And now they've moved Trent Frederick into the middle. Like he's like a scientist this year. Things work for a while <laughs> and then they don't. And last year, they rolled the same 12 forwards out there all the time. Same position, yeah. same lines, different year, different makeup, same result. I'm, I'm really impressed with, with the Bruins um, because I, I said at the start of the year, there's going to be 35 points missing from the Bruins total that is going to go around the Eastern Conference. And you know what? There might not be 35 points, right? Like no. they're they, they've, been, they've been really impressive, but I still think, I do think they need to find a legit point-producing center somehow. Mm. If they can,
0: um, yeah. in this window of, of where their team is, center not an issue for the Pittsburgh Penguins no. <laughs> going into this nope. one. Uh, top-rated team in the National Hockey League when it comes to face-offs. And is this closer to the team that you thought Pittsburgh would be? You know, other than you know the bumps and the the. the the kind of hurdles that they had to overcome to get to where they're playing to now?
1: Yeah. I, I mean, there's another gear here. Um, I don't think anybody thought Carlson was going to have a hundred points, but I, whoops, but I don't think, I don't think people thought he was going to be on pace for 55. You know, that no matter what they say, whether he's playing while driving, play, whatever the catchwords are, it's, it's not what the Penguins expected when they made that deal. Their power play has been climbing uphill all year, and I keep waiting for them to go on one of these, you know, twelve power play goals in ten games stints. Like the people yeah. they have are are very, you know, are very capable of playing on the power play. I do think, I, I do think they'll find their way a little bit here. I, I'm. Super impressed, like most people I think with crosby, yeah like i, I it's to have twenty one goals to play the way he has, I'm watching him, you know, I think he's at sixty one percent of face offs he he still has the fire to compete as hard as he oh, does, yeah. and tonight's game eleven hundred for Malkin, I hmm. loved he said about a two weeks ago, he's like, I don't want to be just another player and you know, so I, I like that there's a, a burn there too. Mm-hmm, um mm-hmm. you know so I talked about Carlson, Ryan Graves has been a real disappointment for them. Uh they signed him to a six year deal out of New Jersey and he was by the by the end of the last game he was playing in the third pair. Yeah. And so there's there's always something to work on, but I, I do think the Penguins are um I, I do think they'll make the playoffs. Um and I, I think they would be a tough team to play.
0: All right. Those are your headlines brought to you by Tim Hortons. And a reminder, their holiday merchandise is still available only at Tim's. Our interviews on Randregs brought to us by Canadian Club Whiskey, who have introduced the first release of the Canadian Club Invitation Series, CC 15-year-old Sherry Cask, all the hallmarks of classic Canadian club with the added richness and sweetness of Sherry. Cupboard is getting little bare in Ask Grand Rags anything. So we need wake new, up, new and more submissions. Yeah. Oh, wake up. Um, people are asleep. Do you know,
1: by the way? This is yeah. apparently the last day that you can wish people happy new year, as per Larry Damon.
0: Yeah, I was asked that on Overdrive last night. And I feel like we're okay by going to the end of the week. Tomorrow being Friday, I think we're okay. Because in our industry, Ray, it's different. You're going to see people for the yeah. first time since pre-holidays tonight in Boston. Oh yeah, for sure. Well, you're, of course, you're going to say, "Hey, how are you yeah. doing? Happy New Year!" Yeah. Right? That's fine. Yeah. Maybe you do that tomorrow when you see somebody at the airport. Right? I don't know. I think I think no, end tomorrow at the, the airport at six
1: a.m. I'm not saying
0: hi to anybody.
1: <laughs> and I got an idea. Don't say hi to me either, because when I have my ear ear my ear things yeah. in. I, I, chances are I'm not listening to anything anyway.
0: <laughs> I just. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Um We have one quick submission uh, from David in Quebec for Ask Ray Dregs Anything. And this one's interesting. First of all, he wishes us happy holidays. Happy New Year. Ha- happy New, happy New, Year, New, Year. New Year, David. So he says, so once I had a cup of coffee, scouting, and since then it's not uncommon for friends or family to ask me what I think of their child. And one day it might even be mine. Says David. Now, I can get out of it by saying, Look, I'm not a professional, but you, being me, Darren, and Ray, are considered experts and have well respected opinions. So, how do you deal with it in that situation? And what was it like going through this all the way to the NHL? Um, First, he says, With me, he knows that I've got the relationship with Matthew Potter and the Potter family in in Boston. Uh, And of course, Ray. For you, with Landon, he says, "I still remember watching that draft and Ray having to be both a pro in terms of you know analyzing good. everything that's, that's and the dad for the first day, <laughs> it for the first day." <clears throat> but it's tough, isn't it? I mean, yeah. you. How many games did you end up calling um, in the NHL that Landon played? Four. Yeah, it was, was sure it hard. Oh, was it?
1: Well, yeah, yeah, it was the first one. He just got to Boston. Yeah. Like he he got claimed on waivers and you know, things were happening so fast he's like because you don't know the team. He's like, Yeah, I'm he says, Dad, I'll call you. I gotta get in a car. Uh I'm going to Toronto. Um, I gotta be there tonight. And I'm like, Toronto? I'm flying there tonight. And then we put it together. Oh my God, you're gonna do the game. <laughs> and he's like, You're gonna do the game and I'm like, I remember yeah. it. Yeah. You know? Yeah, but so that's how that was the first one. I also did a game when he got hurt. And mm. Uh, uh, sprained his MCL it it was terrible it was brutal Um, so it wasn't all great but I just uh, you know a highlight of my career and pride as a parent as far as when somebody asked I I would often say look I I'm here watching Landon I'm not really watching like that and that was kind of my out um, at the time because nobody really wants Your honest evaluation. They want, most parents want you to tell them something good. Yeah. About their kid. And it's really, it's hard because often they're not asking, do you think, Hey, he could make the triple A bantam team? They're saying, do you think he could be a pro? Do you think he could play junior? Um, and so I, I think my answers evolved over time and I, I would tell any parent, just keep your options open. Yeah. Just keep your options open, because what might seem like the best thing, the first thing,
0: often is not. Mm. And and it, it's a hard one, though. It is a hard one, and, and um, great question by David And Ask Graham Driggs Anything. And, and just to wrap up the point here, I remember Craig McTavish, when he was at TSN, giving some sage hockey parent advice. And Mason was making his way up minor hockey at that point, right? And he's thinking, okay, well, maybe college, maybe junior, all that nonsense. And MacTee said, Dregs, let me give you some. When your kid is out there, watch the line because what we do as a hockey parent, we want to see how great our child is, right? Sure. But you also then notice the mistakes and you get nitpicky in the mistakes oh. that they're making. You're not focused on the good things they're doing. Now you're shifting over to the bad. And his point was, when you watch the line, the group of five, you start to realize, hey, everybody makes a mistake. It's how you respond to the mistake and, and turn up negative into a and, and as soon as i started watching that, changed my life. Changed well, my hockey you, experience. You know what?
1: So I learned this uh right when Landon retired last year. <laughs> 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 because I'd be watching a game at two in the morning. He's playing in Germany and uh yeah. And he'd turn a puck over, and I'd be like, can't turn the puck over. But then if you take a half a step back, you go, oh, yeah, the other team just turned it over right back, and then oh, yeah. and you go, oh, good good takeaway. No, no, <laughs> they just turned it over, same play. It's so, it's so true. It's that's, that's a great line by
0: Mac. Great line. It is. All right, David, thank you for the submission on Ask Grand Riggs Anything. You can send us your questions on our socials. Uh, X and Instagram at Ray and Dregs are on the website, com. All right, buddy. So from Boston, where do you go back to Vancouver? Where are you headed next? Yeah, back home. And then, um, you
1: know what, uh, Dregs, I'm going to take a 10 second look here. Cause I have no idea where I am. Oh, I'm in. Oh, next week. Busy week. Jeez. Oh, I didn't know week. that. Okay. Yeah, well, so we'll I'm going to be, yep.
0: I'm
1: going to be Edmonton at Chicago on Tuesday. Yep. Nice. Vancouver at Pittsburgh on Thursday. The Canucks are in the middle of a seven-game road
0: trip. Eesh. Okay, yep. um,
1: and then our first ABC game is next Saturday, Rangers at Washington. Hmm. Oh, and I just learned it's a one PM <laughs> game. I should. <laughs> there you our, go. Our producer puts it. He's a great guy, Jeff Dufine, who is quickly realized that I'm not as organized <laughs> as I I like to yeah. appear. And so he puts at the end of all our, like, you know, here's the, the day for tomorrow. He always puts the game time at the bottom because <laughs> he knows I generally don't know it. I just think uh, it's Saturday. So it's it's going to yeah, be at night. But yeah, it's it at can't one be o'clock. At one
0: o'clock for heaven's sake. Who does I would have missed yeah. the thing. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, good luck with that. And uh, we'll, 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 we'll work around your schedule for the next couple of episodes. You know what I think I need you to do? I need you to keep
1: working on your math. So you know, so you got math going. So like we got new
0: contracts to talk about. Maybe we'll have an extension next week. Who knows? Oh, interesting. Okay. Well, we'll get Howard after that in the insider trading. Travel safe, buddy.
1: Thanks. Have a good, uh, have a good weekend, everyone. Thanks for listening.
0: And thank you to our sponsors who continue to support Ray and Greg. Our title sponsor, Canadian club whiskey and Tim Hortons. And yes, thank you for listening, for rating, for sharing the podcast and for following us on our YouTube channel as well. Until next time, stay safe.